0: Welcome to week eight of our latest series, All the Fields, All the Fields. Now, it occurred to me as I was preparing for today that that title might be just a little bit misleading uh, because, truth be told, there's no way that we could possibly ever cover all of the fields. This series might last until Jesus comes back if we try to do that. This series would get a little long if we tried to, uh, to cover all the fields. But let's be honest, calling it some of the fields just doesn't have the same impact, am I right? So we're gonna stick with all the fields. Herein, we are talking about emotions and what to do with them. How do we navigate the currents inside of us? The, the premise of this conversation is that God has wired us to be like him. If we go all the way back to the beginning, back to Genesis, that's what it says. God says, let us make Mankind, Let us make humanity in our image to be like us. And so our emotions, our capacity to feel, that's an intentional aspect of his design. This is something that, that he did on purpose. It's part of what it means for us to reflect who he is. But in a less than perfect world, our emotions can err. Sometimes what you feel is going to point you in wrong directions. And so God's provided us with instructions for handling the fields properly in healthy ways. How many of y'all know that life just works better when you do it God's way? Have have you discovered this? Like, I've tried it both ways, and it just works better when I follow his plan. So would you help me preach this today? Turn to somebody and tell them, stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. Now, we're going to continue on with the next emotion It's another challenging one, another one with which I suspect you might have some experience. For it, we turn our attention to the Gospels. There are four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the story that is our focus for today is recorded in three out of the four Gospels. That should give us an indication of the significance of what we're about to read. God really wants us to pay attention here. Together, we're exploring Mark's account. So I encourage you to open a Bible or Bible app if you've not already and meet me there. You can also follow along on screen. We're working out of Mark chapter 4. And starting there in verse 35, we read this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith after everything that you've seen, after everything that we've been through? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Today, I want to talk about storms and stillness. That's, that's what I've decided to call this message, storms and stillness. Now, I'm not just talking about the storms around us, the storms of our circumstances, the, the storms on the surface. More than that, I mean the storms inside. Now, we can describe that inner turbulence by any number of names, but the one that I've chosen to work with today is Anxiety. Allow me to introduce you if you've not already met. (laughs) We we tend to think of anxiety in terms of the mind, and there's certainly much truth to that. I will not diminish that in any capacity, but I'm going to stay in my lane and unpack the spiritual side of it, the the storm of the soul. The Greek word for soul that shows up in Mark's gospel and elsewhere throughout Scripture is suke. And, and hearing that, you might be able to make the connection that it shares roots with our word psyche and psychology. Sa- same line of thought. The soul is an individual's unique identity. This is the self. It's, it's your personality. It's what makes you, you. It's the center, the source of your will, your, your emotions, your affections. And sometimes, sometimes it's subject to storms. I think we see that in the disciples, don't we? In their, in their panic, so sure that they're going down, they're not going to make it out of this one. A storm raged all around them, and that set off a storm inside of them. Do you know anything about that? But then there's Jesus. He's in the same boat literally in the same boat. And yet he is utterly unworried by the situation. In fact, he's sleeping right through it, at least until the warriors wake him. That was another title in the running, by the way, not time with Jesus. It wasn't, I'm kidding. And stirring from his slumber, Jesus speaks, hush, and the storm stills. Now, seeing this, the disciples were told are, are terrified. It's a different word, by the way. Jesus says that they were afraid, but now there's a shift in their emotion. Something else is happening inside of them. What they feel now can be translated as awe, which matches the amazement that Matthew and Luke talk about in their account of this story. In reverence, they ask the question Who is this? I've never seen anything like it. The wind doesn't listen to me. I could tell the rain to stop. That doesn't mean it's going to, but it listens to him. Who is this? From a storm comes stillness. Now, looking closer, I think this story shows us some steps that, that we can take for moving from storms to stillness in our lives. For starters, For starters, we can learn to recognize how anxiety operates. It's all right, buddy. We'll have some candy later. It'll be a good day, I promise. From there, we can discover how to answer anxiety in our lives in a way that leads us towards peace. So that's our map for today. Now, at the outset, we need to make an essential observation here, and it's this. Following Jesus does not exempt us from storms. If, if you walked in with that impression, I am sorry to burst your bubble. Following Jesus does not exempt us from storms. Whose idea was it to get in the boat? Let's go to the other side. Who spoke those words? It was Jesus. So, so get this. The disciples are doing what Jesus has told them to do. The disciples are going where Jesus has told them to go, and it sends them straight into a storm. Well, Jesus, that's not the way it's supposed to work. I thought if I followed you, it's going to be smooth sailing. I I want to come back to the why on this, but for now, let me say this. We have to be cautious about the cause. not just for us, but for others around us. And and what I mean by that is that we cannot assume that the trials we experience, whether internal or external, are always the result of wrong turns. We can't assume that, church. I'd venture a guess and say that some of us have done that before. We're in a difficult season. We're we're experiencing some, some challenges, some trials, And we assume, what did I do wrong? God, what did I do to bring this on myself? Maybe nothing. Right now, is is that a possibility? Sure it is. Sure it is. We can create our own chaos. You ever done that? I know I'm going through it. I can can figure that one out. And so we need to, to make room in our lives to reflect and, when necessary, repent. God, have I done something to cause this? And if I have, get me back on track. Okay, it's true that when we drift off the course that God has charted for us, turbulence awaits us. But that's not the only explanation. Ask the disciples. Maybe the storm that you're weathering is not because you did something wrong. Maybe it's proof that you're doing something right. Maybe you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Let's keep going with this. How how does anxiety operate? We can identify some trends here. First, anxiety assumes the worst. It assumes the worst. Look again at what the disciples say We are going to drown. Now, to be fair, this is a bad storm. Okay, it's a bad storm. I'm not the first to point out that four of these guys are professional fishermen. They know these waters. This certainly is not the first time they've dealt with wind and waves. And yet they're unsettled. Okay? It's a bad storm. But notice, notice how they make the leap from turbulence to tragedy this is going to end badly we're not going to make it through this worry can feel like that yeah feels like you're drowning feels like you can't keep your head above the water feels like you're going under earlier on this series we noted how fear is an enlarging emotion and that's true here too anxiety amplifies Anxiety will take a problem that may be very real and it will amplify it and turn it into panic. It will persuade you that the worst case scenario is a foregone conclusion. That's where this is headed. This is the end, not gonna make it. Church, we need to push back on that voice. We need to push back on that. Take another look at the example at hand. For starters, notice that they're not drowning. We're going to drown. Well, you're not, so there's that. They're not even in the water. They're still in the boat. Now, the boat's taken on water, granted, but it hasn't capsized. It assumes the worst. That's where this is going. And, and, and they don't know it in the moment, of course. They don't know how it ends, but we do. They make it to the other side. Spoiler! They make it out. And and, and when anxiety is, is striking, when anxiety is trying to convince you that this is the end, remember this story. They thought it was too. Even though it feels so real, even though it feels so certain, the anxiety in this situation is inaccurate. It's not giving them accurate information. Listen to me. Anxiety is not the author of your story, so don't let it tell you how the story ends. Here's another observation for us. Anxiety assigns blame. So let's consider the question. Don't you care? There's so much in those words, isn't there? Jesus, we need you. Why don't you do something? Have you ever said that? If you're like me, you've said that more times than you care to count. In the sickness, in the stress, in the struggle, in the suffering, Jesus, why don't you do something? Now, the logic for people of faith goes something like this God, I believe, I know that you are able to fix this, I know that you can. So why don't you? But it doesn't always stop there. In the pain and the unanswered questions, it can turn into pointing a finger. God, if you're really in control of everything, if you really can do anything, then this is your fault. You're to blame. Maybe you felt that way too. Church, we have to understand something. Consent is not the same thing as cause. God can allow circumstances to happen. He can allow something to happen in your life, but that doesn't mean He caused it. Okay, now I I realize that in the moment, that may feel like a very unhelpful distinction. What does it matter? God, you're still letting it happen to me, it still hurts. As promised, we are getting to the why, but rest in this, friends. Even when God is not behind it, He's in it. Even when God is not behind your storm, He is in your storm. Here's one more observation on how anxiety operates. Anxiety assigns motives. Jesus, don't you care? They're asking the question because in the moment, it feels like he doesn't. You ever feel that? I I, I can't see it right now. I can't sense it right now. It seems like I, I don't matter to you, God. It seems like what happens to me doesn't matter to you. But church, I would say the answer to our question is the same now as it was then. Do you care? Yes. He does. Deeply. If he didn't, he wouldn't be in the boat. Stay with me here. Do do they really think, do we really think that Jesus didn't know this storm was coming? Like it just blows up, like, wow, didn't expect that one. Is, is Is that our view? Remember that Jesus charted the course. He planned this trip, and he got in the boat. He knew it was coming, and he got in the boat. Church, are we able to consider the possibility that there is purpose in this? That Jesus loves his people so much that he would chart a course through it with them. That Jesus loves us so much that he would chart a course through it with us. Leading up to this episode, Mark records a series of parables. Jesus has been teaching the crowds, teaching his disciples, training them, telling them about the kingdom. But there's an old saying, maybe you've heard it, experience is the best teacher. See, there's some things that have to be learned by living, not just by listening. Things like faith. It's not enough for us to hear about faith. It's not enough for us to hear that we can trust God. We have to see that we can trust God. After all, can can we ever really know that we trust if that if that hypothesis is never tested? we, We can say that we trust God. We can claim to do that, but until we have to, until He is our only option, until He has to come through for us, can we truly be sure that we do? So storms are part of the syllabus, church. Because in the storms, God's faithfulness is proven. In the storms, we see God show up. In the storms, our faith grows. That leads to the other side of this. We We can learn to see, to recognize how anxiety operates, but how do we answer it? How do we make the shift from storm to stillness? Two insights for application here. First, peace comes through presence. Peace comes through presence. It is so simple a truth, and yet we so often overlook it. We see the storm and we forget the solution. The answer is right there in the boat. Jesus is right there in the boat. He's with them from start to finish, through it all. The answer is right there. Did you notice that curious phrase? Mark says that they took Jesus along with them just as he was. Why do we got to specify that? Like, sorry, Jesus, before you get in the boat, we got to change some things. The point is, he's enough. He he is enough. He still is, church. Might I remind us that this is the same Jesus we follow today. He still stills storms. Maybe not always the one around you. But he can bring peace to the storm inside of you. He's given us this promise that when we invite him in, he will never leave us. He will not forsake us. You are not alone, friend. God is with you. God is in the storm. Let me land with this. Peace comes through prayer. In their desperation, they cry out to Jesus. Now, reading their words, it might not seem to us like much of a prayer. Lord, don't you care if we're drowning? Church, can I tell you, sometimes I think we come to God with this conception That in order to pray, in order for him to hear us, we've got to get our our words just right. We've got to get our posture just right. We've got to get everything just so. That's not what the scriptures teach us. This is real. It's honest. And Jesus honors their honesty. He comes through for them. He stills the storm. Years later, there's an empty tomb. There's an ascension to heaven. And one of the men who was in the boat that day wrote a letter. And he encouraged a new generation of believers with the lessons that he learned in that storm. He writes this, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus, don't you care? I'm drowning. Yes. He does. Deeply. That's why he's in the boat. In the dark and the wind and the waves, we wonder. Jesus, don't you care? Peter knew what it was like to ask that question. And he assures us of the answer. I was in that storm too, and he, he saw me to the other side. Friend, it's the same Jesus the same Jesus. He is for you. He is with you. Give your anxieties to him. Let him bring stillness to your storm.